Hello friends, it's Friday afternoon, we're on the eve of the biggest game of the season. Two of the three sides who are likely to claim automatic promotion from League One. Ipswich Town in third, host Plymouth Argyle, top of the table at Portman Road. A full house tomorrow and legend Marcus Stewart returning as well. Not a dry eye in the house there will be. Hopefully we'll be all smiles at the end of the game. And we are here friends with a special Kings of Anglia big match preview on a Friday afternoon. I'm Mark Heath. With me, the two men who will be at the game tomorrow, and I'm hoping they won't dampen my enthusiasm for it with their usual calm, measured approach. Andy Warren, how excited are you for this game? I'm, I'm, I am really excited for this yes. game. Gen- genuinely, I am. Um, normally, our match previews on the podcast come at the end. Um, doesn't feel like that should be the case for this one, does it? It's too, it's too big. There's too much to discuss. The consequences are while not season defining, they might be season shaping and it's um it's exciting. Really looking forward to it. Watson, you you're generally a little bit more excitable than, than Hutchie. Where are you well, at in terms of Well Mark, pitch? it's just the next three points, isn't it? And you've just <laughs> got to take each game as it comes and uh, nothing will be won or lost in uh, in the middle of January. And that's all I've got to say about that. Absolutely. No, of course I'm up for it. I'm bang up for it. It's yeah, a massive game. I'm going yes. to, I'm joining you on the hyperbole train. Superb. There's Big game. Friends. We've Jump been looking on. forward to this one for ages and it's yeah. here. Jump on that train and ride it with me, friends. So before we do get to that game, though, I suppose it's only right that we should we reflect a little bit on the old sexy stuff, the transfer stuff, which always, I know, is of most interest on these shows. Um, there's not been anything happened, actually, since we last spoke, which seems quite a shock given the frantic pace of, of business to start January. Um, there have been a few mumblings of potential outgoings. Uh, Gasana had me linked with a, with a move back to Burton on loan. Um, and you spoke to Kieran McKenna yesterday, Stu. Uh, and, and pleasingly, he didn't say that's it. We've, our business is done. We've still got more than half a window left. So that's very good news for us. We did, we'd struggle otherwise. Um, what, what did he tell you? Uh, he told me exactly that. It was, uh, is that it? Are you done for business? Well... We'll see. The club's working hard behind the scenes. We've talked about a few positions. We've talked about a few attributes that we, we might want to add. Didn't want to give too much more away than that, but um, I think that's more than a hint that there's uh, there's at least one more player to come, which um, is mildly surprising when you look at quite how many players Ipswich have got at their disposal now. All the players that have come back from, from injuries recently, Luongo, Broadhead, Hurst in the building... We'll come on to this chat in a bit. Several players are not even going to make the match day squad for this game tomorrow. So to add more to that, you're getting into the realms of risk versus reward of, of maybe adding, you know, tooling up for the for the weeks ahead and making sure you're kind of future proofed against any major injury outbreak again, but also sort of maintaining that squad harmony and, and keeping everybody happy and feeling part of it as well. But um, yeah, sounds like there's there is more to come. Yeah, just keep watching this space, please, friends. We uh, we, we need you to hit our web targets for this month, so uh, don't go anywhere. Actually, what about outgoings? We, we talked before about Matt Penny. It sounds like Gasana Hadmi has been the subject of a little bit of interest from Burton as well, which is the only, am I right in saying it's, that's the only team you could actually go to? Yeah, he's played for them already. He played for Ipswich, obviously, mm-hmm. so that, that's it for him for this season. At least he, he either plays, stays and scraps a few minutes here and there here or or he goes back to Burton on loan and um, interestingly the the Burton manager Dino Mumria on his own club's website just had some quotes saying that he'd spoken to Kieran McKenna about the potential to bring Gasson Hadme back to uh to the club um but the finance of that means that's not not really doable for them he says um for me, that it makes all the sense in the world for him to go back there for the rest of the season because it's really difficult to see where any football whatsoever really is going to come for him here. Um, but so for me, if they can work out a way to get that done, it, it, it's something that that should benefit um, benefit everybody. In in terms of incomings, even if um, Kieran McKenna had looked down the lens at you yesterday and just said no other business. Would you have believed him? I wouldn't believe Ipswich Town on the the twelfth of uh, the twelfth of January saying no other business. They they can, so I think they will. I'll always believe Kieran McKenna. 
but yes, I know what you're saying. Is um, the temptation is high, isn't it? Mark Ashton, when he spoke to us on the podcast back in November time, said we'll be left with no regrets, no ifs, no buts. They'll leave everything on the table. A lot of people were obviously referencing 2015, where it's, which didn't really strengthen from a position of strength and, and may, were made to pay for it. Um, it's very different this time around. Different ownership, different funds, different ambitions. Um so yeah, for for all the talk at the end of this season, if if Ipswich were to fall short, end up in the playoffs, losing the lottery of the playoffs, that the the mantra would be we go again. It's a long term project. Um, we've come a long way from a team that finished eleventh in the previous season. Remember that all those things would be said, but I'm telling you privately, they would be crushingly disappointed with the fifth successive season in League One. So they've gone, they're going all out for it. Hopefully they can, uh, hopefully it's all going to come together. It's exciting, isn't it? It is very exciting. If they were to add anyone else though, where do you, where, where would you reckon on the pitch that would be? We've talked before about potentially someone coming in, in to, to bolster the defence. They've, they're, they're, they're bristling with firepower at the top of the pitch. You, you can't see them adding any more there. Can you, or can you? The only way I can see striker coming in is that there needs to be a few things happen first. Um, Ahadmi needs to to leave to Burton I think. Um, then I think Caden Jackson will probably be now repurposed very much as a winger. We've seen sort of him used half and half as, as a striker and a wide man. I think Hurst arrival coupled with his performance off the right against Rotherham last weekend I think we'll see him kind of playing the back up to Wes Burns. So you strip those two out of the forward unit and you're really looking at Ladapo and Hurst as your, as your proper number nines because I'm going to I'm going to bracket Broadhead in those sort of deeper lying roles. Is that enough two of them and you could you could put Broadhead up there if you, if you really wanted to. Maybe they'll they'll put a, a young one on the fringes that comes in, you know, potentially a youngster from a Premier League club to kind of fulfilled the Tyrese John Jules void. I mean, let's not forget he's due back potentially towards the end of, I think McKenna said in his last press conference a couple of months away. So, you know, he may he may come back still at some stage. But um, personally for me, I think we're at the stage now where you could potentially do more harm than good by adding too many more to, to this squad. Um, any other areas, Andy? I've, I've always thought a right-sided defensive support for Danassian would be something that I would be looking at and I, I still think that now um I I it's I think it's probably a difficult position for Ipswich to do anything in because they've kind of turned Danassian into quite a unique player um playing a unique role which means finding someone that can do that's quite difficult but if they could I would I would be thinking somebody in that position still. Um, yeah. But again, yeah, that you don't... spells the end for Kane, Vincent, Young, though, doesn't it? If you go out and sign a, a right back now, it doesn't. That doesn't. It's not a great. No, great look on yeah. him, is it? No, no. Um, he's out of contract in the summer, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it probably would. Yeah, but um, I, again, I, I've kind of since the beginning of the window, I'd, I'd say that's not a number one priority. But they filled those priorities now, so. It, it does kind of move, in my mind anyway, move up that list a little bit. We'll see, though. Okay, so watch this space. Something else we should mention just finally before we get on to this massive, huge, gargantuan, titanic game between two of the best sides in League One is, of course, Mark McCauley Bond. Stu, your mate, Macca, has himself a new club, and it's a, it's a club in, in League One. Yeah, he's signed for Charlton, which is where he very nearly signed on... Summer transfer deadline day, they went right down to the wire of, of the deadline. Didn't go through. A lot's changed at Charlton since then, change of manager. And um, yeah, they've managed to re revisit that one. And that scenario that we talked about, Macaulay Bond going to another League One club has happened. Thankfully for Ipswich fans, it's not one of those teams vying for, for a promotion place. You wouldn't imagine Charlton... I think have probably left themselves quite a lot of work to do to get into that top six. So we have to hope now that Macaulay Bond can bloody a few noses of, of those that Ipswich are vying with along the way at the top end of the season. But 
Um, Charlton still to come to Portman Road still in, in April time, which will be interesting. But um, I think everyone wishes him that side, that game aside, uh, all the very best and hopes he can get back to enjoying his football again and, and scoring some goals. Macaulay Bond will score the goal that means Town finished third and then James Norwood will score the goals in the playoffs. <laughs> that's, that's a very pessimistic outlook. Let's talk about this massive game, boys. Um, there's so many narratives around it. Uh, Hutchie, where do you want to start with this? You you wrote an excellent piece, I thought, this morning, kind of tale of the tape style, um, comparing the two kind of teams in terms of their various um, stock in, 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 in attack, defence, midfield, keepers, all that kind of stuff. Um, where should we start with this? I'll let you drive this bus. I think start with, uh, obviously, start with some praise for Plymouth, shall we? Um, who who come into this game as the league leaders, seven points clear of Ipswich, five of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, they've had a brilliant season so far and they're a very, very good team. If you flash back to um, Paul Cook's team going down to to Home Park all the way back in, I think it was September of Paul Cook's first season in charge and we, we could see then that they were serious business, um, that Plymouth team. They, they destroyed Ipswich down the left flank for long periods of that game. Um, and from that day forward, I've, you, you're kind of always going to have an eye on them as a serious player in this division. It didn't happen last season. They fell away quite painfully at the end um, with Stephen Schumacher um, ultimately now in charge of it, taking over from Ryan Lowe. He's continued that and, if anything, has, has moved it on to another, another level. They're a very, very good team um, and they're rightfully at the top of the league. So we'll start with some, before we then go into Ipswich's strengths, I guess, and where this game might be won or lost, I think just an acknowledgement of how good, of how good Plymouth are and, um, and how good a game this could be. Stu, do you want to take that and run with it? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess we have to address the fact that uh, the first thing I would say about Plymouth, and I hope this comes to pass tomorrow is that if you look at the statistics they are probably they're probably overperforming in terms of points they've got more points than perhaps the stats suggest because and Kieran McKenna alluded to this in his press conference yesterday they've won a lot of fine margin games either through moments of individual brilliance at the top end of the pitch and you can think back to the Ipswich game at home park where both uh, Mumba and Whitaker scored goals from outside the box, great finishing. And they've won a lot of games through brilliance from their goalkeeper, Michael Cooper, who uh, would lay claim to the division's best goalkeeper along with Christian Walton. So um, statisticians, easy for me to say, will tell you that that can't last forever. And Ipswich's stats are more maintainable. And Ipswich have probably left more points out there and Plymouth have maybe claimed more points than they than their performances. You know, I don't watch Plymouth week in, week out, so I don't know if that's fair, but going purely off the numbers in terms of chances created, chances conceded, Ipswich are quite far ahead of Plymouth. So you would you would hope that over the course of the whole season that will shake out that Ipswich will uh, Ipswich can can close that gap. Mm, Plymouth are obviously out they're outstanding in those areas you've mentioned, aren't they? Home form, outstanding goalkeeping, outstanding productivity of loan players. Um, until this point, outstanding. All it would take would be for for those to drop from kind of outstanding to very good, um, and the whole level of Plymouth comes down a level, doesn't it? And um, like you say, Town. We've always talked about Ipswich being a very consistent team in what they do. Um, I guess you you definitely could argue that there's more kind of longevity in that in it in what Ipswich are doing, but. Plymouth have got it to this point, and every, they they seem to just keep on keep on going. So, and reasons to believe that those things are going to tip a different way for both clubs because Plymouth now obviously have lost Morgan Whitaker, who was a major part in that fine margins at the top end that I've spoken about. Lots of goals and assists from him. He's been recalled from Swansea. Um, it remains to be seen if Callum Wright can kind of fill that void. I think he's a very good player. Liked him at Cheltenham, but big boots to fill there. And then Ipswich, the Achilles heel was not finished, not being clinical enough, not finishing teams off enough when they're on top. And they've gone out and signed two proven goal scorers at, at this level. So, 
you'd like to think that Ipswich are going to tip tip one way and, and Plymouth potentially could tip the other. And that's not being disrespectful to them. I don't. A lot of people have been saying, "Oh, Plymouth will drop away." For ages, but they've they've been a winning machine at home park, and um, they've got something good going on there. But um, yeah, you you would just hope that it, Ipswich, with the resource and everything they're doing, would would kind of carry them further into this season than Plymouth, maybe. Before we get on to the teams, and, and I want you to pick your who you'd play uh, for town in this game, given that the new players coming in, and also the matchups, which I think is worth reflecting on. Actually, that bit you did um, in previous seasons. A game like this would have been, well, this is a game that the town aren't going to win. They don't win games like this, these big games. Are we happy now that that has been put to bed? Because they have they have beaten sides around them. But looking at something you've done for tomorrow, Stu, the, the record against the top seven this season, they've only won one game. Won one, drawn three, lost two. So are we happy now sitting here ahead of this, you'd have to argue the biggest game of the season so far, that that old malaise around town and big games is put to bed or, or do do they need to win something like this to truly say we're past that now um yeah i mean that's that is obviously now the case in terms of not beating the teams in the top six seven at the moment because peterborough and portsmouth have, have dropped away so badly i don't think you mm. can take those away the statement wins because because they were at the time and and still remain big wins. But, yeah, what were the biggest wins of the second half of last season was the Wickham game, McKenna's very first match. Um, this season, I've mentioned Derby, Peterborough recently, Portsmouth at home. But I think they could do with another one, and this would this would be a whole new level of win and statement win if if they could win this match. Um, yeah, they got. If you look back, you look back at games against the top six and those kind of fine margins. Um, we spoke about Barnsley are a top six team. Marcus Harness scored a goal that was ruled out wrongly; should have beaten Barnsley. Sam Morsey had a goal, a, a shot that he really should have scored in stoppage time to beat Bolton on the opening day. They didn't. They were they drew at Hillsborough because of a Michael Smith goal that was offside, um, and a cut, like two goals, two goals from outside the box inside ten minutes at Plymouth saw them go from winning to losing there. So they're right in these games though this time. Like when we've when we've spoken about previous years of not competing with the top six. We, we, we're talking about them not competing with the top 10 at some points in Paul Lambert's career. They weren't beating the yeah. teams that were 10th. It's it's very different. Um, I mean, the Rotherham, we've just played Rotherham last weekend and that was a reminder of, you know, they were light years away from from yeah. those Paul Warren Rotherham sides that got automatically promoted twice, weren't they? And um, you're right, that, you know, there's no golfing class between you. You feel like Ipswich go into all of these big games with every chance of winning, they might tip one way, they might tip the other. The Plymouth game at home park earlier in the season, that could have gone easily the other way. Um, so I guess you have to look at it like that. But um, yeah, you'd, you'd still like maybe an, an, you know another one or two of those, those wins. If you're going to finish top two, you have to consistently beat, well, every it doesn't matter whether it's a top half side, bottom half side, you just have to consistently win games, don't you? So um isn't, yeah, the, the, this one, seven points between Plymouth, that could become the difference between that going down to four or rising up to ten feels quite significant, doesn't it? Even even at this relatively early stage. Yeah, and four with a game in hand, it would be as well. Hmm. Can we all agree, though, that if Town do indeed win this game, as we all hope they do, it would be the biggest win so far for Kieran McKenna? Would you, would you say that? Be their biggest win in League One, wouldn't it? Yeah, agreed. The the one game I missed out earlier was was Plymouth, obviously last season on Paul Mariner Day, and what a day that was. Um, so, um, I would say there's probably been yeah five five big wins, uh, five statement wins since McKenna's come in, all at Portman Road. This this would top a lot of them, and I think Andy's right; it would top anything that they've done in League One so far. Right then, friends. Let's let's before we get to your actual teams, I want to go through this this matchup that Hutchie did because I think it's a, a big enough game that it merits us getting in a little bit deeper than normal. So you start with the keepers, Hutchie, in this comparison. 
two yeah. of the best keepers in the league. Um, how how do you compare them and contrast them, and and who do you think is is the better keeper? I can't tell you who the better keeper is because I don't, I don't watch Michael Cooper anywhere near as much as Christian Walton. But I bet you anything that if Kieran McKenna, if they were offered a swap, neither team would say yes to it, and that's um and that's the mark I would say, um on this. My phone's going off. That's uh... is that your is that your ringtone? No, that's do you know what that is? That's a bloody. I'm just looking at the story you've written, and that's a bloody autoplay <laughs> video, isn't it, on our website? Which I just think happened. That's not bad. I didn't think so, that happened on, on your phone. So that, could, was, that was quite worse. That's quite embarrassing. Could um, be worse. No, I, I liked it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think either manager would swap their goalkeeper. Um, I think Christian Walton's levels haven't quite been at the at the um, at the complete dominance levels that he has been previously for Ipswich. Um, but that's not to say he's not an exceptional goalkeeper. I, I, I wouldn't. I would, from what I've seen, I wouldn't. I wouldn't swap him for Cooper, certainly, and I bet you Plymouth wouldn't say the same. The one stat I did find on the two keepers that I thought was interesting was um, how busy they were. Like what Walton makes an average of one point six saves per game. Cooper, this is speak. This speaks to Stuart, Stu's point. I almost called you Stuart there. Very formal. Um, Stu's point from earlier that he, he Cooper's making an average of three point seven saves a game. He's much busier, having to do a lot more. Um, but both teams concede exactly a goal a game in the league, and 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 that level of busyness from the goalkeepers is is both equaling out at the same thing. Um, if you wanted to, you could use that stat very coldly and just use that to tell you that that Cooper's the better goalkeeper. But I think that's very very simplistic, and you'd have to go a lot deeper to to try and go into that. But I wouldn't be swapping Christian Wilson for for Michael Cooper. So you're saying essentially level, but you, you would yep. if, you, if you're offered, you're having you're having Walton. Any yep. thoughts on that, Stu? Before we move on to the uh, defenders, uh, not really. Only the fact, I guess, Cooper. If you were talking about it purely from an asset point of view, has got a bit more age on his side. I think he's 23, isn't he? But um, yeah, Division's two best goalkeepers going head to head tomorrow, no doubt. Like it, defenders. Then Hutchie, talk us through how you see the uh, the comparisons between the back lines for these sides. I think, I think, firstly, you need to talk about the systems a little bit, whereas Plymouth are kind of a 3-4-2-1 more strictly than Ipswich are, but we've, we've spoken so many times here, haven't we, about how Ipswich, how you can describe Ipswich's system as a 3-4-2-1 if you wanted to, or you can call it a 4-2-3-1. Um, essentially, these teams play very similar football, I think, um, which makes it quite nice for comparing them. Um, I'd imagine... Every, everything about it looks like Plymouth will have a back three of, of James Wilson, who we obviously know very well, Lon Wake in the middle, who is basically Virgil van Dijk's double, um, and Dan Scar, and then Ipswich will be Dadassian on the right with um, Wolfenden, Burgess, and Davis as a, le- as a left-sider. Um, they both, both defences concede a goal a game, um, mm-hmm. and all of their strengths and weaknesses even themselves out. I would say, looking through the stats in terms of set-piece goals conceded, set-piece goals scored, they all kind of level out for me. Um, again, I probably wouldn't split the, the teams on this area of the pitch either. And again, you've gone with can't be separated. Um, anything to add to that, Stu, before we move? I like this. Actually, the next category is the engine room, which I very much approve of. No, not really. Only to say that I think everyone was surprised that James Wilson was the one that that got let go from the defence during that demolition man summer under Paul Cook. Um, and Toto Enciala was the one that stayed on. I think Wilson got named, was he supporters player of the year? Players player? I can't remember which award he got, but... The main one. Was, yeah, we knew he was the... Uh, he's a very solid League One defender and it's no surprise that he's uh, he's doing, doing pretty well for Plymouth at the moment. He'll be their captain tomorrow in the absence of... Uh, Suspended kipper, skipper, skipper. (laughs) Suspended kipper. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Hutchie, engine room. Sorry, I need to interrupt. I I need to. We need to press pause on this. I forgot to pick my wife and child up from school. I forgot that I've got the car. (laughs) She's just rung me. I was meant to be there ten minutes ago. So, so we, me and Hutchie could just, we could just, we could just plough on, should we? It's up to you. I'll be there and back in <laughs> fifteen minutes if you want to just put it on hold. 
Well, I have got. I can't okay. just leave them there. So I've got. No, to go. Well, Sorry. okay, fair enough. So, Andy, <laughs> unexpectedly, this is now a two-man podcast. Um, Stu's Stu's just realised he's he's forgotten to pick up his wife and child, which is a uh, quite a big thing. So he's had to put his hand up and and dash out. Um, and we, we'll plough on, shall we? Because time is running short on the day. Uh, and we need to prepare mentally for this game tomorrow. So we're just talking about the engine room. And I was in the middle of saying that you have, I wonder if it was the engine, mention of the engine and the car, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. That was the link. That was the link with Stu that made him suddenly remember. <laughs> anyway, um, you were saying town of the advantage in that engine room. Yeah, I can't remember if I managed to say that before. I Stu can't remember what you were saying, not. honestly. Mate. Um, I don't know I if we, I don't think we'd started it. But no. I do think I, you're right, though. I do think Ipswich have the advantage in here, and that's both from the eye test because I think Sam Morsi and Lee Evans are, are an exceptional League One central midfield pair, um, and that's backed up by the stats. Kind of every major stat that you could want from a central midfield pair, um, they win on. But passing, both in terms of volume of passing and the accuracy of their passing. Um, Dribbling stats, which Morsi takes a heavy load of um, from Ipswich um, compared to Evans, but he, they're top on that. They've scored more goals than their Plymouth um, counterparts, which are in general um, Adam Randall and, and Jordan Houghton. Um, they're above them in that as well. Shooting, more shots per game, um, everything. Um, they're on top of them. The one wrinkle here is that there could be a first league start for a a player we've seen down here before and know fairly well, Jay Matete, who has signed up for Plymouth on loan from, from Sunderland. We know how good a round, all-round central midfielder he is. He was brilliant for Fleetwood down here, led to some transfer interest from Ipswich, which didn't come to anything. Um, but that's a slight wrinkle here in that, obviously, if you're looking stats-wise, he doesn't factor into any of this Plymouth-wise. Um, and the feeling is he could start. So, slight wrinkle there, but um, advantage Ipswich in there in the engine room and Stewie's car engine will be working overtime at the moment as he puts his foot down towards his mate you the amount of groveling you need to do if you, if <laughs> you, you were so much trouble you were so much trouble <laughs> what were you doing what were you doing just pod just podcasting <laughs> this is a shambles now my phone's going <laughs> off again what the hell is is happening that's an autoplay that's going to be a real issue going forward on these podcasts because quite often I like to read stories as we as we're talking about them. And obviously I need it in this in this instance. The width, Hutchie, if we can continue this train of thought. Who do you think's got the advantage here? Width is very important, obviously. Yeah. Um I think I ultimately went for just an Ipswich advantage here. Um and that is is down to to Joe Edwards being suspended, the Plymouth captain. Um played on the left last week with with Barley Mumba, the Norwich Loney on the right, but um they normally play the other way round and, and Mumba's likely to go back to um likely to go back to the left this site this weekend with with Edwards suspended. Um and I'm really looking forward to this actually. Um Wes Burns and Bali Mumba both players with four league goals this season. Obviously one on the right, one on the left for their teams, but that if you if you do the math, that adds up to them both being on the same side, Mark. And um a little bit of push and pull levering. Uh, getting up and down each other. Um, that should be an interesting battle. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, you also have to factor Leaf Davis into any kind of width here. Like, and that, that's why it's it's not really wingers for, for Ipswich. It's it's width in general. It's, it's assets and attributes. Davis is their width on the left side. The, the left-sided attacker, whoever that may be, um, comes inside, attacks tight, allowing Davis to get... Um, to get up the outside and he is a, an assist king he's got seven in the league this season um he's third on the he's third on that list in terms of league one assists maybe that's gone a little unnoticed i think just how productive he, he is we know he's a good player but in terms of the numbers he's producing i think it's gone a little un, little unnoticed quite how high he's featuring there but also he's also i think second on the on the key passes metric with whatever mm. that is um I think assists are obviously key passes and things like that, but he's only behind Barry Bannon on that. Um, and we know how good a player Barry Bannon is. So 
in terms of width, I'd, I'd give Ipswich an advantage in those areas, especially especially if it's a, a, a good Wes Burns day, um, which he's had a few of those recently, which are kind of trending upwards. So um, that coupled with a, a suspended skipper, a suspended kipper, sorry, is um, should be advantage Ipswich. Okay, there's, there's two categories left and you've got attackers and strikers. Now, attackers, obviously, um, Plymouth have had a bit of a blow in, in terms of mm. losing Whitaker. Um, how do you think those two units match up then? It's interesting. Um, that's a blow, isn't it? It's not just Whitaker as well. It's uh, Finn Azaz, who's been out for some time now with an injury, and it, he's not he's not fully back yet. I think he's getting there, but he's not fully back. Um, so actually, they're two kind of main. Let's call them number tens. Um, their two number tens are are unavailable to them. Whitaker left with like took nine goals with him when he left. Uh, I think Azaz had six from the early weeks of the season before he got injured. So playing without them um, is big. Stu's already mentioned Callum Wright, who's signed from Blackpool. He's clearly a good player, but that's, that's a heavy weight to be carrying coming into the side. And Danny Mayer um, is in there as well. Um, D- Danny Mayer is someone I would I, I really like as a player. Um, I'd liken him to Shawnee Aluko in terms of ability, um, what he gives his team without necessarily chucking out the the numbers, as as it's called it in football now, goals, assists, doesn't quite have them, but he is a facilitator and a really good player, so not to be underestimated. Ipswich, though, um, have an advantage for me. Um, this is, we've talked about Connor, Connor Chaplin's purple patch um, tendencies. He is in prime purple patch territory right now. He's scoring goal after goal after goal, um, and and has a player of the month award to sort of cap that. Hopefully that's not the like the cap on the end of a purple patch for him, but he's in great form. And then um he could be partnered by any one of four mm. four players there, Luco being one, Marcus Harness another, Kyle Edwards unlikely, but also Nathan Broadhead. So um there are options there for Ipswich and I think it all adds up to to an advantage in this area of the pitch for them. And just finally strikers, and then let's finish with who you think when you when you chop it all up and look at all the units together, who you think has the edge, if indeed one team does. This is where Plymouth Plymouth come out on top to me, and 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 again, it's it's not a slight on Freddie Ladapo, which which it it really is not because he's he was brilliant last weekend, and I think he's done well for Ipswich, Ipswich in general. But um, there's obviously George Hurst in the mix here now, um, who is yet to make a debut, unproven, um, but has pedigree at this level. So there's reason for optimism. Of course there is, but Plymouth have got three tried and tested strikers who have all made significant contributions for Schumacher this season. Um, Ryan Hardy and Niall Ennis are both on eight goals. Sam Cosgrove is on six. Those are league goals, purely league goals. Hmm. So, um, all three of them contributing. Uh, they've started a game each over the last three matches. So who knows? Who knows which one of the three he'll go with, but each of them has has delivered for for their manager. So he's got options, be it from the start or from the bench. And I, I would I would give Plymouth um Plymouth an advantage an advantage here. Okay. So we've gone through all the units there, the, the positions and you've you've given edges to one side and the other. If you look at it as a whole, actually without your, your blue-tinted spectacles on, who who do you think has the edge or can you separate them? I think there are other factors that then come in. You've got the home soil. That's another yep. factor that comes in for Ipswich. Um, obviously, Plymouth cannot have that as an advantage because this game is being played in Suffolk. That's a fact. A big home crowd. Um, Ipswich are used to these now. It's not in the past. We've kind of seen them not deliver in front of the really big crowds uh, on the big nights. They have been doing that now. That Derby game was a massive night for Ipswich, not just because of the size of the crowd. It was on TV. They wore that Ed Sheeran kit, which seems ridiculous to say, but wearing that kit, I think, added another layer of pressure because it just invited the attention. Mm-hmm. In, in it's, You know, I love football kits, Mark, but generally I, I, I can't sit here and argue that, that wearing a different coloured shirt should bring more pressure. But on that occasion, it was just another little layer of attention and they delivered... So that's not going to be a problem for Ipswich. They'll thrive on that. So they've got the home crowd. And also, we've just run through the team. And I, I think that central midfield advantage is huge um, for, for Ipswich here. So that's the one big advantage I can see between the, the others. I've tipped one way or another. Um, 
by a, a cigarette paper, which I don't have any of, but no. uh, that's what I've done. But um, but central midfield, big advantage. And um, I'd give Ipswich an edge in this one. Okay. I, I see waving mischievously in, in the virtual green room is a certain Mr. Watson. We're we bringing back in. Stu? Right. Yeah? What's the... What's occurring? Yeah, all good. All good in the hood. You're only on central midfield. No, you... no, we're done, mate. You've got okay. you've got there and back in that time. Yeah. Wow. Were you in a spaceship? No, I just drove recklessly, endangering the lives <laughs> of small children. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you joined us at a, a good juncture, then, Stu. So we, we've gone through all the positions, the uh, the various units that the the sides have. Hotchie thinks there's a, a slight edge to Ipswich. Um, but how about the Ipswich team? In terms of selection, it's been, it, well, I suppose it's, it's been fairly straightforward. There's always curveballs thrown in, aren't there? Um, but a lot of it you could you probably write down now. The interest here is, of course, Town have three new players that could potentially play in this game. You'd imagine Luongo will, won't be one of those players. But how about their new toys up front, George Hurst and Nathan Broadhead? Um your thoughts on those, Stewie, and then maybe reel off a, a team that you would be putting out. Yeah, I would say out of those two, Broadhead is the more likely to start because he's played a lot more football in the first half of the season for Wigan. Kind of, um, he's he's either been a starter or a, or a sub off the bench. Played a lot more games. Hurst hasn't really played a huge amount for um, Blackburn during his loan spell. Uh, three starts, I think it is in the first half of this season. So I'd say Broadhead is the more likely. But the team I'm going to predict is the team that started the Boxing Day win against Oxford, which at the time, I think Andy and I both said this is Ipswich's best team on paper when when everyone's fit, which they were getting back to that. Um, It was an unchanged team, very rarely off the back of that for, for the Portsmouth game. Obviously, then illness came along and unsettled things for Lincoln, and and he mixed it up a little bit for the for the cup game. But um, I think he'll go back back to that Oxford team with uh, with Broadhead and Hurst as uh, weapons to come off the bench. I could see them coming on, possibly even as a duo um, at some stage in the second half. And whether Ipswich are ahead, chasing the game, trying to get their noses in front, you can just imagine the noise that would come when you saw those two sort of stripped and stripped and ready to come on. That would be that would be my prediction for the team. So what was that team, for those who can't remember that, like me? That would be Walton, uh, Danassian, Wolfenden, Burgess, Davis, Morsey and Evans, as well as Humphreys did last weekend against Rotherham. You have to go back to your tried and trusted senior pairing there in central midfield for a game like this. Burns, Chaplin... Harness and Ladapo. So the, the the big question mark there for me would be whether it's Broadhead or Harness in that inside left forward. But um, yeah, Ladap- Ladapo's performance last weekend, coupled with the fact this is another one of his former clubs who he scored against earlier in the season, mm. um, tips me to to say that he'll he'll start. So the, the the big question mark for me is whether it's Broad Broadhead or Harness in in that inside left forward position. Hutchie. So Stewie's left the new shiny toys on the bench there. Would you do that? I wouldn't. I think he's right. I think I think that is what will happen. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I, I would start Broadhead. Um I would I would because I think you could you can leave Plymouth guessing a little bit if he starts about exactly what he's gonna do and where he's gonna be. I think that's a that could be a bit of a tool for them. Plus, I think he's a very, very good player. Um, mm. I would, I would start him personally, but I wouldn't be shocked and or even disappointed really if if Harness started because that Oxford game, that Ipswich were brilliant, in, particularly in that second half, they were very, very good. Um, and that that was their best team at that point. Harness had a good game, um, and he's shown that he can deliver in moments for Ipswich. So I'm fine with that. Um, but for me, I'd start Broadhead. Undoubtedly, Ladapo over Hurst from the start mm. up top, though. Yeah, he's earned that, hasn't he? Um, and the other conversation you have to have around the team, Stu, as you point out in your preview, which is going to online and in print tomorrow, is the the battle for just being on the bench. There are an embarrassment of riches just just in t- to get into those spots now. Yeah, so McKenna's confirmed that he had 22 outfield players in training this week. We've gone from... 
scrapping around to get an 18-man squad together throughout sort of November, December time with with all those injuries. But now with Greg Lee coming back and Evans and Harness and various players back, plus the new boys, there's an embarrassment of riches. And um, we know that it's going to be... If you start working it out, if we go with that Oxford team as a base, put Broadhead and Hurst in there, you've got Rav Halaki as a backup goalkeeper. That takes you to 14. That leaves four spots available in this squad. And by my maths, there's 10 players vying for those four spots. I can read them out to you if you want, and perhaps it, yeah. you could make a prediction as to, to who will make the cut. Kane Vincent Young, George Edmondson, Richard Keogh, Greg Lee, Massimo Luongo, Cameron Humphreys, Kyle Edwards, Shawnee Aluko, Caden Jackson, and Gasana had me. So 10 players there, and only four of them are going to be making this squad. Hutchie, who are you putting on the bench out of those? I've got two benches written out on a bit of paper in front two? of me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, one one is the one that I would think that I would go with, and the other is what's left. And um, the one, so I'll tell you the one that's left is pretty go good. On. Um, what, Which one do you want? Do you want the one I'd go for or the one that's... Well, Give us the one you go for first, yeah. Okay, so Chladke, yeah. uh, Vincent Young, Edmondson, Humphreys, Harness, Hurst, Aluko is the seven that I've got, which leaves a second bench of Coleman, Keogh, Lee, Luongo, Edwards, Jackson and Ahabme. Yeah, that's pretty tasty, isn't it? That's a, a good demonstration of talent. It's, a ridic- it's ridiculous, Strength quite frankly. Depth. Yeah. Okay, so those are the sides and, and the benches. Other things what around the game... T- would you disagree with any of those, though? Like, I, th- so I think who, who were the who were the four then? So read that bench out to me again. Well, I've gone Hladke, Vincent yeah. Young, Edmondson, Humphreys, Harness, but only <clears throat> only because I would have had Broadhead in the starting yeah. lineup. Yeah. Hurst, Hurst, and Aluko. Okay, Alu- so the... Aluko and Jackson was a. I've I thought about this. I ate, I had a nice little chicken breast with some rice for my lunch, and I thought about this very deeply while I was while I was eating that, this bench. And that was the most difficult one. Um, well, you're talking about, there's some direct battles here, isn't there? Luongo or Humphreys? And I think Humphreys probably takes that at the moment because of his performance last weekend and, and Luongo not not really being match, match sharp at the moment. Lee, uh, sorry, Edmondson or Keogh is a direct battle for a centre-half spot. You'd, you'd imagine Edmondson is, is ahead of, of Keogh in, in that one. And then it's Lee versus Vincent Young. Vincent Young, obviously, Brings a bit more versatility. Could do both fullback positions. Could play higher up if you needed him to. <clears throat> That's I why I know. went for him over yeah. Lee because because I I think Lee's a better player. But if Janoy Donassian, as he did recently, hobbles out of a game after 15 minutes, you're then having to then what do you do? That's you true. Wes Burns back there, and then you've sacrificed something there, and you. Have to have to change change your attacking plans, whereas Vincent Young mm-hmm. can can play both both sides and cover all eventualities there. Um, but this is ridiculous, isn't it, Mark? Tough like, call that one, isn't it? I mean, I'd always want Aluko on the bench. He's been such a joy to watch recently, and he's someone that can come on and just calm things down and keep the ball if if you need to. So I think you, you need to have him on there, and that's it. And that is it, isn't it? Which means Carl Edwards. I mean, Caden Jackson were leaving off the bench there, who I yeah. thought had a really good game last weekend. McKenna loves him. You know, I know he splits the opinion of fans, but we're at the stage now where Caden Jackson might not might not be making well, this squad. For me, that's because I think he's either a starter or not in the squad. And that, because I, I, he, he doesn't, there aren't many games where, there aren't many games where you look at it and, th- and think this is one for Caden Jackson right from the bench. From the start, when they changed things and, and bespoke game plans and the way they played, that he's he's had some really good games for Ipswich, like stretching teams, particularly down that right side. But is there an argument that he might go for a top-heavy bench and put a Jackson on instead of Kane Vincent Young, for example? And then, if you had to, in the worst-case scenario, reshuffle the back four, you could drop Burns into to right back and put Caden Jackson further forward. Just it's it's a it's a risk. Yeah, but it would be a calculated risk so that you could then turn to a bench and, and bring on a lot more attackers at some stage. I don't know. It's going it's to be hard. fascinating. Um, I, I'm actually going to be more interested in who he picks on the bench <laughs> than the starting eleven in some ways this this weekend. That's difficult because like, I, I, 
would you then consider not putting a centre half on the bench and putting a full is is that is Vin, is from the bench is Vincent Young and the fact that Danassian can move inside and and things like that is that make it more flexible for you if you're trying to give an extra extra man or go crazy and don't put a goalkeeper on the bench that is that well, yeah, like that we, we haven't seen that since the three sub days have we mm-hmm. uh, really but. I think that's reckless, if I'm honest. I think uh, a game like this, you know, the probability is you very rarely need your backup goalkeeper. But when you've got seven subs to go to go without one, I think um, mm. I think that would be reckless. Yeah, the re- the reason I left Jackson off and went for a Luco is because you're probably in this scenario you're not going to use him as a central striker because if you're taking Ladapo off, it's going to be Hurst, and then mm. and then it's how we... McKenna's shown that he likes changing those two tens. In, in every game, so you need to have two of them. Um, and Harness, you're not going to leave Harness out of the squad because, uh, quite frankly, he's probably going to be in the starting lineup. So that would mean you're not going to leave Broadhead out. And then, as you say, Aluko's got his kind of bespoke role from the bench potentially, and mm-hmm. as well as being a very good player, he's, he's something a bit different for a certain scenario that um, can play. Potentially, doesn't this bring roles? into sharp focus the debate we had right at the very start about adding more players to this squad? Already, you're having to disappoint six players there. Massive game. We're all excited about it, and you've had to go and tell six players probably at some point today you're not even in the squad. I think you can stomach being on the bench nowadays with five subs rule. You know you've you're going to have a role to play at some point. Um, but to not even be making the squad is is quite difficult, and I'm sure, you know, we'll be talking about, um, you know, maybe one or two exits towards the end of this window as well. We've talked about I had me, but maybe even someone like Carl Edwards now um, comes into a bit of a, a question mark because you don't want too many players that you're disappointing every week. Because I know they're all good lads and they've all been recruited for personality reasons and character reasons and all of that. But if you're training all week and you know you've got nothing at the end of it. It's very difficult to kind of be that that cheery, energetic person that's dragging, you know, mm. raising the standards of, of training day in, day out. I think people people forget about that side of things sometimes. Just go back to your actual bench then, Hutchie, because there were so many names we'd thrown around then. I kind of got lost as to who was actually on your bench. Okay, so Kladke is a non-discussion, yeah. um, unless the reckless card unless gets played. Reckless, yeah. um, Vincent Young, we've discussed. Edmondson over... Kia as the centre half, Humphreys over Luongo as the central midfield, and then the three that leaves three attacking spots. And I've got Harness, which is a big, big slash broadhead there because Harness could well start, but yeah, but for, I've put him on the bench. Hurst, who is undoubtedly going to be on the bench, and then Aluko over Jackson. Okay, interesting. We'll see. But a bench of Coleman, Lee, Keo, Luongo, Edwards, Jackson, and Habme isn't too bad, is it? If if that was Ipswich Town's bench. That's not it's not bad. Yeah. You you'd look at that seeing some game changes. You say, Oh yeah, Edwards is on there, the spark that you can bring on off well, the That's what I mean. That's what I was gonna say in terms of yeah. changing games. Certainly Edwards it would be in that category, wouldn't he? And I know you're saying that Jackson maybe maybe isn't, but he's got something that can always change games, which is pace. It's tough on Kyle Edwards because he actually made a difference when he he did well when he came off the bench last week against Rotherham and I think his first mm. touch was a really lovely ball around the corner that led to the Ladapo goal going around the goalkeeper, but I just he's had he's had chances and he hasn't had chances. He's never had a run of starts in in the team, but I don't know if McKenna, I think McKenna may have seen enough now to decide that he can't hang his hat on him. He'll have really good games and really excite you, and then he has he has some flaky moments off the bench as well where he's just not at it. And I, I think maybe McKenna's edging towards the fact that he's he's not someone that he's going to be able to hang his hat on um, long-term. And, and these players come in, just kind of push him towards the exit door along with his his mate, Rakeem Harper, who's uh, it's not quite happened for him at Ipswich Town either. I'm just wondering, in a game like this, though, he is a spark, so, you know, an X-factor almost in, in a game like this that you don't otherwise potentially yeah. have to throw on someone who's going to run at defenders, try so, things but, at other people. But so are all those yeah. other players that we've mentioned as, as well. You know, some people, someone has to miss out. You'd say Aluko mm. is someone that can excite people and, and pick the lock. You get, you know, we're talking about mm. good players Which, now. That's where yeah. Ipswich are at. 
Would no, you have him? It. Who would you have him on the bench ahead? I, I agree. I agree with everything you've said about him. Completely agree with everything both of you have said about Kyle Edwards. But who, if we're being in ruth, the ruthless side, which one of the seven that I've named on the bench would oh, you that's, that's, take, that's the thing, take off it for Edwards? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, imagine they're the conversations that they're they're having in <laughs> Kieran McKenna's office at Playford Road because they've actually wow. got to make these it's decisions. Not. Caden Jackson's ahead of him on the bench, and we've not got him yeah. on the bench. So um, yeah, yeah, that's 100%. that's kind of where where Carl Edwards is at. I think in the pecking order, unfortunately, which is a shame because that Kate, we go back to rewind to that Cambridge game, and we thought that was going to be the sort of uh, delayed lift off for him, but just hasn't quite kicked on as we'd hoped since then. But um, yeah, this is the embarrassment of riches that. Uh, that Kieran McKenna's got. It won't last, I'm sure. You, there's always another injury around the corner, a suspension um, at this moment in time, though. They've got a, a power-packed squad that's going to be the envy of, of many. Mm. Oh, to be a fly on the wall, eh, in that in that chat around who, who plays and who, who's on the bench. Right then, um, that's the team then. Good chat around that. How about the other kind of X-factors in this game? We've got a full house, a sellout. Is it officially a sellout? Uh, I've lost track. I, 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 I did ask this earlier this yeah. afternoon. This is this is four o'clock Thursday afternoon. Um, Friday afternoon. Sorry, it's Friday. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Friday afternoon. It's normally Thursday. Uh, yeah. At the moment, it is sold out. That has not been officially con- confirmed because I think there's the potential for the odd little juggle from the security people mm. that might free up the odd ticket here and there. Um, but it's a sellout. It, it's, but, a sellout. It's, a, it's, it's a sellout. It's which um, is twenty nine thousand something. Yeah, we don't know. And Mark Ashton doesn't know because we asked him in, in that podcast um, before Christmas, what, what is the capacity? And he just said, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, but I don't know because it flexes and it changes all the time depending on how many away fans come. And obviously they, that changes how much segregation they have to have, how many, how many seats they kind of uh, cover with netting to, to separate them and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. They've opened... One of the block, one of the seating blocks that hadn't been used for many years, they'd managed to get that open, hadn't they? So they're trying to work hard to kind of get all areas of the ground open and accessible. But um, I guess we'll kind of find out. This is probably the closest to what a capacity is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see what that number is when it when it gets read out um, tomorrow. And bizarrely, no one knows when the last sellout was either, which is uh, kind of shrouded in mystery. But it's not for a bloody long time. We it's can a say very, that. very long, a very time. long time. Yeah. And the, then the other the point two... to, sorry, they didn't even sell out the playoff semi-final at home to Norwich. So yeah. that tells you an awful lot, indeed. And then the other two X factors for me are the return of Marcus Stewart, which you've got a full stadium, all the emotion around the game, and then all the emotion around Marcus Stewart and what's happening with him. Him returning, he's going to be on the pitch at half time. Could that be a potential factor in terms of the emotion in the crowd and the almost a kind of redoubling of support if things aren't going well for town? Um, and then also the ref, who I understand is a bit card happy. Um, and in, in a game like this, one always has to have concern around tempers and, and blood boiling and someone getting sent off. Would you say? I really hope that we're talking about one part <laughs> of that narrative after mm. the game, the Marcus Stewart narrative. And you're right, there's going to be a huge amount of emotion here. Mm. Him coming back to Portman Road for the first time since that very sad news that, that he's got MND. Um, and then you've got the prospect of a new signing coming on in the same shirt number that Marcus Stewart yeah. had when he when he made that such a big difference as a mid-season signing. I hope mm. all that narrative wraps up together and and we're, we're talking about that and we're not talking about the referee, which we've talked about far too many times this season. Far too many times we've heard Kieran McKenna talking about Ipswich not getting the rub of the green and being due some decisions. And Andy referenced the Barnsley game from earlier in the season and that harness disallowed goal. And McKenna went on a, on a right, not rant, because he never rants, but a calm and collected dissection of Ipswich not getting the decisions and and. Referees need to be carefully selected for big games that don't want to get unnecessarily involved in decisions. I hope and pray that we're not talking about Andy Woolmer after this game. Hmm. Thoughts, Hachi? Um, yeah, I, I would I, I would agree with that. Talking about referees isn't fun. And just how incredible would it be if that number 27 narrative played out in full 
Um, even the games are comparable. Obviously, George has, hasn't signed from Plymouth, but that goal that Marcus scored was against his old club, who at the time were the, the league. I think they were they were either the league leaders or second or something, or they were they were right at the top of that division at that point. It, a game of this size in the twenty seven shirt at Portman Road um, with Marcus sat in the front row of the director's box would be would be incredible. Football's beautiful like that. It, it it can deliver things that nothing else in the world can can really deliver. So uh come on football gods, give us give but us that's, that. That's sport as a whole, isn't it? The, the amount yep. of times it, it stories that are if you saw in a film you'd go, That's ridiculous, that would never happen. That's completely yeah. Hollywood hackering but, nonsense. But these things do happen. Yeah. There's one the other day in the NFL, wasn't there, Mark? Obviously, Demar, Demar Hamlin, yeah. who, who yeah. many people would have seen a, an NFL player um, at a cardiac arrest during a during a, a game, and and was very much on the, the cusp of living or dying. He he miraculously he he, he pulled through in his home now, um, but but in, he plays for the Buffalo Bills, and in their first game um, after that happened, the whole stadium was incredible. The noise for him was incredible, and then on the very first play of the game. Buffalo ran the kickoff back for a touchdown, which it was just amazing that that can can happen in sport. Sport can can give you that and deliver that with like nothing else because it because it mm. is unscripted, but at times it just feels like it is because it does deliver. Conversely, if you're Chelsea, your new signing can get sent <laughs> off for a horrendous knee high tackle in a vital Premier League game to heap more pressure on your on your manager. It can go the other way as well. But yeah. um, if the two point um, five million pound tackle, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If um, yeah, if you know, if if something like that could could happen in this game, it would be unbelievable. But even if it doesn't, it'll be brilliant to see Marcus and and he knows how much love comes at him from Ipswich Town fans. But he'll um, him and his wife Louise will um, experience that mm. themselves um, at this game, regardless of the result on the pitch. Yeah. Okay. Special day. Special things happening. Could there be a special narrative? Boys, it's time for predictions. Stewie, um, what do you think is going to happen in front of that full house at Portman Road tomorrow? Third place, Ipswich Town host, table-topping Plymouth with the return of Marcus Stewart all thrown in. What do you think is going to happen? I have to say a win, Mark. I was yes. Pause there because I thought you was you you was expecting me to be the, the boring party pooper there, wasn't you? So no. concerns about this. Um I go right back to the stuff that we said at the start of this. I do think that the Ipswich have got more backing up what they've done this season. I, I feel they've been really consistent. I feel like they've backed up disappointing and frustrating days quite quickly. I think they've they've upgraded the squad again. I think there's some real energy going into this game. I think last weekend Rotherham was was just what the doctor ordered. You think about it, if you park the Portsmouth and Lincoln games away over Christmas and you kind of you kind of say, well okay, there was a lot of illness in the squad. It was a hectic period. And you look at the last home games, it's Oxford, it's Peterborough, it's Rotherham. That's three really good home performances and results to carry into this game. And um, with the crowd, with the new signings, with everything, I think Ipswich win this game. I, I think they'll be, I don't think it, they'll have it all their own way. Um, this game has ended 1-0 to Ipswich on the last two occasions they've met at Portman Road. And uh, I've gone for the same again. 1-0. Right then, Hutchie, have you got a, uh, a million pound pick to go with this? Or are you just going to go straight with the score? Yeah, it's not a very exciting million pound pick, but I think both Sam Morsey and Lee Evans will be booked in this game inside the first half, um, which will lead to a few nerves um, as to whether they can see the game out. But they're both good at that, to be fair. They're, Morsey in particular is very good at pushing the limit until the yellow comes and then um, and reeling back in again. Um, mm. In terms of the game... <clears throat> um, I see it going the same way as Stu, but I, I, I'm going for a 2-1, a 2-1 win for Ipswich, kind of a, a possibly even a reverse of uh, of um, what happened at Home Park earlier in the season. Come mm. from behind, town to come from behind and win, and win 2-1. George Hurst to score the winner. 
if if you ask me to pick who who I want to score the winner, absolutely George Hurst. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'll give you I'll give you ten to one on that Morsey. Because if you ask me, if you said I think Sam Morsey is almost certain to get booked in this game, I think that would be nailed on. So if you add Evans on, I'll get I'll, I'll give you ten to one. And inside the first half, yeah, yeah. Can we chuck the result in as well? Let's go. Let's go. Power pack and the two-one come from behind victory. All of it. All of it. All of it. All Uh, of it into one. uh, Fifty to one. I mean, I'd like a little bit more, but I'd um, I'll I'll take your odds and I'll put a hundred a hundred thousand pounds on that. We do. Do we actually know what the pot is anymore? Um. I can quickly find out. We've uh, peeked behind the curtain. We've got we've got new laptops this week, and I yeah. haven't checked that that file that I've kept it all on is still here. But it should be. Yeah, it is, because I followed the processes sent over by the IT man to the letter. Uh, we've got two point one million pounds in the pot. So um, yeah, it turns out we haven't done one since the Fleetwood game. Wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, you were you were running away with it. This is this is a good game to relaunch it with, though. Um, before we go to any any other business, I've got some shout outs I need to give. Um, numerous shout outs. I have to mention um, the food bank collection uh, in the fan zone before the game. Um, a really nice initiative that that town fans are getting involved in. Um, so people are being asked to bring along uh, milk, tin tomatoes, tin meat and fish, instant mashed potatoes, tin fruit veg, jam, cereals. Toiletries, warm clothes, long grain rice, and ready meals—a um, really good thing to to be happening. Nice to see fans get behind that and and supporting folks less fortunate. Um, also, shout out Tom Tomlin on Twitter, who I understand it's his first game of the season. He's picked a good one to be attending tomorrow. And also, because I forgot to do it on the last podcast, he says frantically trying to find the message. I, I said that I would give a shout out to Ed. Who I reckon is our is our most in terms of distance our most long distance listener. Um, he sent us a picture saying that he listens to the pod often while he's waiting to board the ferry from New Zealand's North Island to the South Island. Um, so that is that's a long long way away. Uh, Ed Nolleth, born and raised in Wenhaston near Halesworth, and he's lived in New Zealand for five years. So consider yourself shouted out, Ed. Uh, if you think you live further away and listen to this pod do let us know because that is going to take some some beating right then friends any other business anything else to mention around this game anything you want to share any feelings you you want to kind of talk about before we uh take our leave and and go and enjoy a friday night i like this idea of people bringing their scarves that's kind of grown organically on social media i've seen to kind of everyone uh, swinging their scarves above their head as the, as the teams come out the tunnel and uh, they're giving it a blast of Hey Jude, which I assume they, they will do, they normally do for these uh, these bigger games. So that, that could be quite a nice visual sight that goes that goes with this. Mm. Are you going to bring a scarf? I can if you want. I'll bring a scarf. Okay. Are you, are you allowed to twizzle it though? Very strict etiquette in, in the press box. You're not meant to show any kind of partisan behaviour. Well, that's just building the atmosphere, isn't it? That's neutral. You're going to bring a half and half scarf then, Hutchie? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bring one of those. Don't get many of those in League One. No. If this was a a top of the Premier League game, they'd be being sold a plenty on Portman Road. So we're all saying town win. Stewie's saying 1-0. Hutchie's saying 2-1. I think I'd agree with the 2-1. And if if that wonderful narrative happened, wow. What what a day to be at Portman Road. Um, Anything else to mention, boys, before I do my little outro? No other business. business. Okay, well, sorry. Obviously, this is significantly later than than normal, this podcast. Unfortunately, various things, like Hutchie just said there, we've been having new laptops and various things like that, um, which has meant that things have been delayed. Uh, So, yeah, that's the reason it's late. But we wanted to make sure that we did one because clearly it's a game of such huge magnitude that it felt only fitting that we did a podcast beforehand please support our sponsors use the code kway at manscape.com for 20 percent off and free delivery on all the excellent clobber they've got there and also of course the boys at ginger pickle if you like a ginger pickle google ginger pickle and they will help you optimize your seo your digital marketing anything you want in that sphere 
Tony Southgate and his boys will help you with. So then, friends, all that is remains to be said then, we are on the eve of a heavyweight clash at Portman Road. In the blue corner, Ipswich Town. In the green corner, normally the red, but in the green corner in this game, Plymouth Argyle. The battle for automatic promotion starts now. Let's get ready to rumble! Enjoy the game. We'll be back next week. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.